Amen. Thank you. We're not in this alone. Uh, and that's kind of the, the theme of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As Paul is saying, you're not in this alone. You don't have to be in this alone, but you're making it seem like I am in this alone. And so he, uh, he gives some information to this church at Corinth. Now, when I was a kid, there was a comedian by the name of Danger, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. And some of you are that old. So <laughs> if, if the guy next to you laughed, he's old. Because it was a long time ago. His name was really Jacob Cohen, but they sometimes call, he went by Jack Roy. But uh, then Rod, Roger Dangerfield. And he was abandoned by his father when he was young. He grew up, and this is from his uh, biography, unloved and unwanted, according to his widow, Joan. And uh, he, partly he was molested when he was five years old. As a teen, he supported his sister and his mother by working a number of odd jobs and in order to pay for their food that they had and their housing. He started saving up to buy a football uniform so he could play football in high school. And uh, he got quite a bit saved up, and his mother stole it. And in 2004, Dangerfield confessed that if he could change anything about his life, he would choose a new father, a new mother, a new sister, a new everything, but I'll stay the same. That's what he said. See, he was begging for respect. And so his theme that he, he won uh, awards for was revolved around that phrase, uh, I got no respect. Uh, I got no respect. And really did not in his early life. Uh, respect or appreciation is essential for healthy relationships. And that is what Paul is begging about here. And in effect, he's saying, uh, you people at Corinth, uh, I got no respect. And... Uh, I want to take this passage and see how in our relationships, and I, you've got many relationships, I want us to see how our respect and uh, gratefulness, appreciation, is essential for really good relationships. So he mentions six of these elements in this chapter, and and I will just go quickly through them, beginning with verse 4. I might say verse 3 when it says, giving no offense of anything, that the ministry be not blamed, that, uh, you know, I, I did really well this week. I did not talk on the cell phone and drive. Uh, you know, there was a few times it was close, but I pulled off, to the ro off the road before I answered it, so, uh, so nobody saw me this week talking on my cell phone. Uh, but I might say 
that now I've got to put it in effect when I come to the stop sign out here and when we pull out and pull on to Excelsior that uh, the stop sign, unless we can get them to put in a yield sign, and we might be able to get them to do that, just a yield sign because when there's so many people coming out, you want to just keep moving and moving. Uh, we've got an audience across the street that watches everyone go through there without stopping. And so I don't want to be known as the church where no one stops. <laughs> uh, and, and so I've got to change. I've got to change my dri driving habits uh, when, I, when I leave here. And now I, I, I do want to qualify that by saying, you know that sign that says uh, entrance only as you drive around and there's that drive-in? It says entrance only. If there are no cars around, uh, can I still go out that? Uh, if, if it bothers you that I, go, I will not go, I'll drive all the way around and get on that road and go out the right way. Uh, if it bothers anybody, one person, then uh, I'll, I'll do it the right, the right way. But we put up the sign, I think, so maybe we get to decide if we can use it or not. Uh, but if we can get them to change the stop sign to a yield, then that will be... That will be great. Anyway, so uh, Paul mentions six elements of a healthy relationship, and beginning with verse 4. And they didn't come from an insecure person. See, Paul is confident. And that's why he can write this. Uh, he can give this information. Uh, he is a confident person. It, it, it kind of like the, the old joke or story of the the criminal who breaks through the doors of the, the swinging doors of the saloon and he's guns ablazing and he says, all you filthy skunks, get out of here. And people are diving out the windows and through the doors and running out the back, except for one Englishman that was standing there at the bar sipping his sarsaparilla. That's pop for you kids that don't know what sarsaparilla is. And he's sipping his sarsaparilla and the criminal says, well looking right at him. And he looked back and said, well, there certainly were a lot of them. <laughs> Paul is confident. This guy was confident he wasn't a dirty, filthy skunk. But Paul is saying I, he is confident. And yet he knows the importance of appreciation. Uh, a psychologist wrote this book in one of his books, The Deepest Principle of Human Nature is the craving to be appreciated. Yeah. The craving to be appreciated. That is what Paul is saying here. And I want to transfer this to all of our relationships. I don't know what relationships you're struggling with now. But you probably are struggling with a relationship with someone whether with your spouse or whether at work or whether, um, you know, just your, your parents or your children or just there's a lot of relationships. Any relationship you have, sometime you might struggle uh, for appreciation. That's what Paul is doing at this time. Now, there were false accusations made against Paul. 
made by the Judaizers, and I say Judaizers, and that just meant there were false teachers. They came into the church at Corinth because Paul was away, and they began to make accusations against Paul. Uh, Judaizers, were, they were the ones that would say, you've got to keep the law uh, in order to be saved. And Paul didn't know what he was talking about when he says it's salvation through grace alone. See, salvation, uh, according to Paul and according to God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit, salvation is recognizing that you're a sinner and knowing that that sin is going to send you to hell and crying out and saying, how can I deal with my sin? And Jesus uh, coming down and, and saying, I did it already on the cross. Place your faith, your trust in me that I, have, I forgive you of your sin. And you now become a child of God. And you have a home in heaven. And you have a comforter dwelling with inside you. And so Paul, uh, the gospel according to Paul is that. And he spells it out more clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But that's what this uh, salvation is. Now he's receiving accusations uh, from the Judaizers or the false teachers. And he's going to, he's confident enough to stand up and say this is wrong. Now the church has already, always received uh, accusations. And, and so if there are accusations made against us at First Baptist Church, uh, it won't be unusual. Now, here in the United States, we have been uh, blessed not to receive a lot of accusations, but I know the, the uh, early church, the accusation was they were cannibals. I guess even before that, the accusation was that they started the fire in Rome, and so they could be killed. But then they could be killed because they were cannibals. Why were they cannibals? Because they, they, ate the they ate flesh and they drank blood. Now, does that sound familiar? Uh, the first Sunday evening in, in the past, we always celebrated the Lord's table. What was that? A symbols of the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And so that's what they were doing. They were celebrating the Lord's table, and the accusations flew uh, in regards to that. So Satan is at war with the church. And in my day, never so much as it is today. And I think you all see it, that Satan is trying to get in his last hurrah, or trying to get in the last punch, trying to do what he can uh, as the age comes to an end. And uh, so now Paul says, hey, we need to have proper relationship here. And this was one of his relationships was with this church at Corinth. And so he mentions six things that will improve a relationship. The first is endurance. Notice, notice how he does this in, in verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God, let's... let's be, to, be ministers together in much patience, afflictions, necessities, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, and watchings, and fastings. And those can be divided up three ways. The first, uh, uncomfortable uh, circumstances. That we've got to endure some uncomfortable circumstances. We have worked through a number of uh, uncomfortable circumstances at First Baptist Church. You know, in the years I've been here, we've had to work through some of these things. 
And uh, his uncomfortable circumstances are the afflictions, necessities. Necessities mean everyday hardships. Uh, distress, and I love this word when he says uh, uh, distresses there. And the last part of verse 4, uh, distresses means a narrow place, a, a narrow place. Have you ever been in a narrow place? I had a dream, uh, when I was a kid, I dreamed that I was crawling through a culvert, and I was crawling, as I crawled, it just pressed in tighter and tighter on me, and so I tried to back up, and it was tight going back, and it was tight going forward, and I was claustrophobic. I've never been claustrophobic, and I'm not now, I don't think. I've never crawled through a culvert again, but uh, maybe I would be crawling through a culvert. But uh, that's what these distresses means. And you get in a place where you just feel like you can't get out. And maybe you feel that way today. I, uh, Cindy and I were talking about uh, starting school again. And this is going to be a place that we've never been. Uh, it, things are different this year than others. And, you know, we've got all the special things, special ways that we can have uh, school face-to-face -face and, and right here in the building. And, but we have to do certain things to get her done. And moms and dads are going to have to do certain things. And the, the busing, uh, because the buses for the public school are going to let out at 1.30 uh, this year. And then for the, their schedule's all messed up too. And so maybe you're part of that. But uh, our kids that ride the bus, they... they they don't get out till 2.30. And so how are we going to work through this distress? And maybe, maybe you're stressed about, ah, this first day of school. Maybe you're stressed because you're a teacher and you're thinking, ah, how am I going to do this? What's going to happen? Uh, uncomfortable cir uh, circumstances. It says we need to endure these things, to hang in there because they are different. And uncomfortable and circumstances, uncomfortable opposition, stripes, imprisonments, riots. See, he was opposed. The world didn't care for him. Now, we don't have, uh, right now, I'm not in prison because we're meeting here. But what if I am? What if there's a, a big fine placed upon us? Uh, how do we handle that? And stripes and imprisonments and riots where they're burning our, our church or graffiti on the walls uh, like down in Minneapolis. Um, endure those things. And then uncomfortable sacrifices. Now Paul chose these. It's labors and watchings and fastings is what he said. He, he said, I get weary serving. Uh, I, I spend sleepless nights watching, praying for safety uh, maybe praying for success in the ministry, maybe praying for those that uh, he was witnessing to and wanted to see come to know the Lord. Maybe he's praying for these uh, individuals, the, the believers at Corinth, that they might not be taken in by the false teachers. But he endured uncomfortable sacrifices. Uh, I'm not sure where you're at. Maybe you're enduring a, an uncomfortable marriage. Now, I know that there are some here that the endurance just at the end. I just can't, I, I can't endure this anymore. I can't take it anymore. 
and, uh, and maybe you haven't taken it anymore. Uh, maybe you're still wondering about it, saying, how long? How long can I take this? Of course, Peter says you take it as long as your spouse uh, is willing to live with you. And maybe by your life, you will show him how to become a Christian. That's Peter and his words in 1 Peter 3. And so I, I don't know if, if you are in the middle of an endurance test right now, and you've got to hang in there. Whatever, whatever happens, hang in there. So uh, what makes a good relationship? Uh, endurance. <laughs> because uh, when you make it through, you endure through uh, that, and your, your relationship becomes sweet again. It is worth it, and it is necessary. Endure. Then there's empowerment. How can you, how can you do this? Paul, how can I make it through these, all of these things that he mentions in verses 4 and 5? And then he gets to verses 6 and 7, and he says, and I want you to realize as I read these, they are hinging around two solid relationships, the Holy Spirit and God. And if you mark in your Bible as I do, you might circle both of those because the purity uh, in verse 6, the knowledge, the long-suffering, the kindness comes by the Holy Spirit. Uh, by uh, love unfeigned, a love relationship with the Holy Spirit, by the word of truth, God's word, by the power of God, uh, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, which is the, the uh, uh, offensive, and the left hand, which bore the shield that would, would come up and uh, defense. So the, both uh, of these here in, in the attack and in the protection uh, it comes, they revolve around his relationship with the Holy Spirit and with God. So how are you going to endure? By being empowered by the Holy Spirit, by God. Um, but how do you prepare for that? You know, what if you are living with a spouse that that hates Christianity. Or maybe you're living with one that is apathetic towards it. Maybe you're living with a believer, but he's just not that concerned about spiritual things. Uh, then strengthen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Strengthen your relationship with God the Father. That's what Paul had to do. And with that strength, then live with pureness and long-suffering and kindness even to those that, that hate you or hate your God. And so there's the endurance and there's the empowerment. There's the extremes of the way people see you and the way God sees you. And I hope, uh, hope you remember that we're playing to an audience of one. We're living to an audience of one. Now, it, it helps to have maybe those watching us from across the street to do what we're supposed to do. But uh, it, it's, it's God that we need to please. And when nobody is watching, we need pureness. All of these things, they, here are the extremes that the, his, uh, Paul's enemies give. He says there's dis he's dishonest. There's dishonor 
He's not worth it. He's not who he says he is. Then there's God's impression of it there in verse 8. His honor by evil reports, but God's report is good. Uh, By he's a deceiver, God's report is he's true. See these extremes here? Um, he's, He's a nobody. And God says, I know him. I know him. I'm well known. He's dying, or he'll be dead. Uh, No, we live. God's impression, God's value of it is he lives, he's alive, he's being chastened by God, and God's impression is I'll not kill him until it's his time. And so there are extremes that we will go through in our relationships. They will make, there will be accusations made against us that will hurt us. But God has, it's, it's his evaluation that's important. Uh, so there's the endurance, there's the empowerment, there are the extremes. And uh, it's taken a toll on Paul and his body. Then there's the encouragement. That's why he needs encouragement. Wouldn't you need encouragement if you went through all of this? Ah, uh, Uh, I need some encouragement is what Paul is saying. See how he says it? Oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open to you. I mean, we're we're communicating. We want to communicate with you. Our heart is enlarged. We love you. And that's what an enlarged heart means. It's not a problem that you need a surgery for. It's an enlarged heart because he loves them so much. And uh, then he said, but... You're not held back, that word straightened. You're not held back in us. And our love is not held back from you. But you have withheld your love from us. You have straightened or you have held back in your own bowels. Now, that that means heart. Uh, A little different than our today, but you're withholding your love. Now for a recompense in the same, uh, now return some of this love. Appreciate me. Uh, Encourage me, is what he was saying. Uh, For uh, now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. You know, you're, you're my kids. I love you. Be ye also enlarged. Won't you open your hearts to me, is what Paul was saying here. He needed some encouragement. We all need encouragement. We all need to sense that that we have purpose, that we're appreciated. And and that's what he's begging for here. Now, the church at Corinth was not First Baptist Church of Baxter because uh, we'd been here less than a year, about 10 months. And those, there are a number of you that lived through this with, with us, and that we we had a family reunion in Montana, and so we loaded up a, a camper trailer behind the suburban we had at the time, and and we took off driving in the evening, and we drove as the sun was coming up. Here was a an eight point buck standing in the middle of the highway, 94, across uh, uh, Montana. We'd just got come into Montana, and 
heading towards Mile City when this buck's uh, right in the middle of the road, and I did what you never should do. I swerved to miss it, uh, hit it anyway, uh, and, and went into what happened to be the, the smallest ditch in all of that stretch. We'd just come through the mountain passes there and, uh, and the badlands, just came through places and got out to where it was fairly level. We swerved into the ditch. The trailer flipped and rolled but didn't roll the vehicle and for a quarter of a mile or 100 yards or whatever, uh, we spread all of our belongings and we were carrying supplies for the family reunion and our, our, our part was to bring the paper products and so we spread out paper plates and toilet paper for uh, all over down the center of the highway and, uh, uh, and we got out and we packed, gathered up in the next two hours. We gathered up all of the belongings we could save and we stuffed them in the back of the Suburban and then seven of us in the front seat of the Suburban followed the patrol car into Hysham, Montana. We went in there, we followed him in, we parked at the cafe, the highway patrolman took us in, and that cafe fed us for free, and there was always, uh, oh, honey, we feel so bad. Oh, sweetie, and all of our kids, or, uh, you know, for all seven of us, our kids were a lot smaller than they are, <laughs> than they are now. Uh, but, uh, and they took care of us. They encouraged us. And I called back here to First Baptist Church, and I, I think it was Bob Anderson that I called and uh, said, this is what happened. And by this time, we had found a replacement trailer, and for $2,000, we would be able to buy this trailer and continue on to our family reunion. We felt pretty crummy, but we were going to do it anyway. Bob said, uh, I called back, and he said, Pastor, $2,000 has been uh, put in your checking account. And that was 30 years ago, so that's, that's when... $2,000 was a lot of money, and you've been caring for us ever since, encouraging us ever since. And, uh, but that wasn't the church at Corinth. They weren't doing this, and Paul says, open your hearts, please. Show some appreciation, please. And so now is the time for encouragement. You want to be encouraged? Encourage somebody else. We've got a lot of shut-ins that can't make it to our service. Some of them can't watch the live stream or the Facebook. Uh, they're just like me. I haven't watched the live stream or I haven't watched the Facebook yet. Uh, you know, I should figure that out, shouldn't I? I'm not dead yet, but, uh, but some of them have, do not have the option. And so they are there by themselves. They are locked in in their minds. They are locked in to the place where they are. And some of them really are locked in where you cannot go and visit anybody and you can't have people come and visit you unless it's by telephone. So go through our, our phone directory, please, and notice the shut-ins and give them a phone call. You say, oh, I'm just a kid. That's the best. If a kid calls, you, you know what happens when you go to the nursing homes to sing in the olden days. You know that, that they are there and they just, 
they want you to come and, and they want to hold your hand and, and they want to pat you on the head and they, they love kids. Give them a call. They love us old people too. Give them a call. Uh, a lot of them are, are stuck alone and, and they feel like they're in prison. And so give them a call. Encourage the moms the first day of school, the first week of school, the first month month of school. Uh, encourage those that have lost jobs or those that have other struggles. You know, uh, a report on COVID funds 19, COVID-19 funds here, that those of you here and others uh, gave uh, around 21000 maybe 22000 to encourage those that uh, either lost jobs or something happened in their, their lives and, and two or three hundred dollars doesn't make a lot of uh, change but it encouraged, it makes a lot of change inside. It was an encouragement to them to know that somebody was willing to help them in this way. So we need encouragement relationships that's how you build relationships is to encourage one another and so uh, Paul says to the church of Corinth please return some of the affection that I'm giving to you and so it's uh, endurance and empowerment and extremes and encouragement and equality versus unequal verse 14 be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A, a good relationship is where you are equal. I'm not saying uh, that you've got different, you know, that husbands and wives, they, they are equal. They just have different responsibilities. Uh, they are equal. But believers and unbelievers are not equal. And Paul is saying that is going to cause a problem. And those of you that married unbelievers, you know, it, it's a tough it's a tough thing. You hang in there, though. You endure. You hang in there. But it is a tough thing when uh, you are unequally yoked. And so Paul is saying, if, you've got, if you want your relationships to work and be the best, and you haven't already committed yourself in marriage especially, don't marry an unbeliever. But it's not just marriage he's talking about here. and Probably uh, not so much about marriage but just in your relationships with others. I, um, I call and, and text a, a young man who, who uh, chose bad uh, friends. And so he's in the middle of a, a situation. Um, and, and I'm hoping, I'm praying that, that he, we see him here soon. I look at this section because this is where he usually sits. And it's, it's tough to, to walk with unbelievers and not, and not get hurt because you, being a believer, you will be disciplined. The way of the transgressor is hard, so don't walk with the transgressor. And uh, for him, it was a, a knife, a stab in his stomach. And the way of the transgressor is hard. Don't follow them. Don't be unequally yoked together. And, and Paul says, here are two reasons why. Uh, the first reason is, you've got a different nature. Verse 14, 
for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? We've been given a new man. Once you're a believer, you uh, have been given a new man that dwells within you, a new nature. And it, and it doesn't, is not able to fellowship with unrighteousness. Now, I, I see it tried a lot. Uh, and what communion hath light with darkness? A new nature. Crows flock together, don't they? And ducks fly together. And cows associate with cows. And people associate with people. And uh, we associate with people. But we are different than unbelievers, Paul says. This new nature. Uh, Missionaries rub shoulders with their mission field. We rub shoulders with our mission field. But we are different. And if we're acting just like them then will, how will they see that there is a difference? And what he calls it here is, is uh, you can't fellowship. You can't have real fellowship with an unbeliever if you're actively walking with Christ here. So uh, they have different natures than us. We love them, and we want to see them have a nature that will live eternally with us in heaven but be not unequally yoked. Dad used to tell us a story about uh, he trained uh, uh, a calf and it became a steer to uh, pull a cart. It was like a little chariot that he made when he was in high school and he trained this calf to do this. And, and uh, then he also had a pony and he trained this pony to uh, pull his little chariot. And so it was great until he decided that he would want to go twice as fast. So he's going to hook the the steer up and the pony up to his chariot, one on either side of the tongue. And uh, and it didn't go well because they've got different natures. And uh, it it tore everything up by the time he got them stopped. And and that's the way it is with, with believers and unbelievers. Your close friends... You can't have really close friends as unbelievers because you've got different nature, different goals. You've got different commitments. And so you love them to see them come to know Jesus Christ. You have a purpose for them. And that's that they might become believers too. And so uh, Paul says, uh, don't be unequally yoked. You need to be equal in spirit with them. I I believe that you can be unequally yoked with a believer as well. Now, that's not what Paul is writing here, but I believe, and I, in counseling people before they get married, uh, if, if I see that there's a strong Christian and there's a real weak Christian, uh, either that has to be taken care of or don't get married. And so uh, I will counsel to wait. If there are two weak Christians, they're both the same. They're equally yoked. And my prayer is that they might be committed, but I know that uh, it's going to take work for that to happen. You want to be in common, this word uh, uh, concord. The, The things, the... Nouns, I have underlined the nouns in my Bible, and we're going to close here. But uh, the nouns that describe this fellowship, communion, 
concord or agreement. And that word concord really is the word for orchestra, uh, all playing together, all in harmony, and then part in agreement. See, that's, those are the things that make a relationship. So uh, the, the last thing I'll mention the last is, is endearments. We need endearments to have a good relationship. 17 says, I will, at the end part, I will receive you. I will, God say, is saying this, I will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Endearments. Do you share any endearments with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents? This is what makes a relationship, a relationship that works. Let's pray. Father, I know there's much we didn't cover and much I didn't explain well, and, but Lord, uh, I pray that we might encourage one another. Even while we endure things, that we'll endure them together. And go through all of these things, might we go through them together, be an encouragement to one another, please. I pray that if there's one here without you as Savior, that they might uh, call on your name now, right where they're at, and pray, Lord, I forgive me my sin and save me. I trust you to forgive me of my sin. I pray they might do that now and become a believer uh, and have the support of God, empowerment of God, and the support of this church family, please. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.